0: Welcome to Economic Development Secrets, where economic developers from across the country spill their secrets to our host, Nicole D'Souza. You'll hear firsthand accounts from economic developers in the trenches, from what works to what doesn't work, how deals come together, or how deals go bad. You'll hear everyone's economic development secrets.
1: Hello, and welcome to Economic Development Secrets. This month's episode features Kristen Reese, Executive Director of the Cleveland County, North Carolina Economic Development Partnership. Kristen has been in this role for 11 years and was born and grew up in this same community. Prior to being an economic developer, Kristen was in the financial industry. She graduated from North Carolina State University with a degree in political science. Cleveland County, North Carolina is located between Charlotte and the Blue Ridge Mountains and has a population of 100,000. A very diverse community, Cleveland County has many different industries present, including the advanced manufacturing sector, energy, consumer products, automotive, and a data center park. A couple of their largest employers include AT&T and Disney. Cleveland County was also named the number four top micropolitan in the U.S. in 2016. Over the past 11 years, Kristen has worked on about 80 projects, and projects that the community has won have brought in about $6 billion of capital investment and 4,000 new jobs. Here is our interview with Kristen. Hi, Kristen. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today. Hey Nicole, happy to. Thanks so much for inviting me to be on the podcast. Of course, of course. So I'm hearing that many economic development organizations are now highly engaged in local workforce development efforts. Can you offer any insight as to why this is becoming a growing trend in many communities?
0: Absolutely. That's and that's a great question. Um, It's really interesting because ten years ago. Um, economic development organizations were were not really talking about workforce development um, site location consultants were not talking about workforce development when we talked about workforce development it was in the very traditional sense of, of um, really the responsibilities that, um, that were under the umbrella of most community colleges in terms of, of training vocational training and customized training and because so many communities across the United States um again this is something that we are dealing with right now um because because these communities have had some really good success in terms of economic development they have had um they've seen a drastic uh decrease in their unemployment rates which again we can speak to that we were in du- double digit unemployment um rate numbers uh 10 to 15 years ago and now we're down to single digits. We're down to 4.9% unemployment rate. And so now companies uh, are having some difficulty finding skilled workers. And so um, we're, we're hearing from more and more companies that that um, that there are lab, skilled labor shortages. Um, again, not just confined to our community, but across the state, across the country, um, they're having issues in terms of not just um you know finding skilled skilled workers but um you know really taking care of um even small scale attrition that they're seeing um at their facilities in terms of you know the uh, many of these companies um uh traditional manufacturers um in from a capacity standpoint the majority of their um, capacity was fulfilled by the baby boomer generation. Um, these baby boomers made up the largest percentage of their workforce, and so many of those baby boomers are um, retiring um, they 're leaving they're, they're they don 't have the ability to work sixty hour work weeks anymore, so there's some shrinking capacity internally with these manufacturing companies and so um you know that's definitely playing into um these companies having uh you know a difficult time finding people and so another issue these companies are having um you know we're not we're not seeing as many um students graduating and choosing manufacturing as a profession and so um that that's certainly an issue right now that we are having to to counter and so um we're hearing from many site location consultants that they believe that economic development organizations really need to be the primary facilitators of workforce development effort. Skilled labor is becoming one of the number one criteria um, for for many companies um, when they're making site location decisions. Right now, you know, we are working to to increase the skills of the existing workers that reside in our labor market by partnering with our our community college, partnering with our local school system. Um, another another way that we can uh, focus on these efforts is by actually taking a a, a good look at the out migration patterns, the out commuting patterns of our community. So. One thing we noticed is that we have twenty one thousand people that are commuting outside of our county every day for a job going into an commuting outside of our county into another county for a career and and that was really troubling to us we we thought goodness this is this is such an opportunity um for us if we can reduce that out migration." Uh, statistic you know decrease that out migration statistic and actually um, educate some of those commuters on the opportunities that actually exist um, in the community in our community in which they reside so we're trying to really help companies um, market the career opportunities that they have trying to actually connect people with those career opportunities so we're trying to educate our community um and and our workers um on the fact that most of these manufacturing environments are very very clean they're very automated and the 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 pay rates um the average wages of most of these manufacturing companies are very very high um and so so a lot of it boils down you know to, to educating um educating our uh, our residents and then and then secondly i'd like to say um, there's there's a certain amount of um, marketing that that goes into workforce development and we see a lot of opportunities with helping our existing manufacturers um, think differently and think creatively about the way that they actually find people and the way that they attract talent to their companies and so you know if you if you look at um the way the traditional approach um in which manufacturers are finding uh people and attracting workers it's 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 a fairly simplistic rudimentary process you know most of them are are just um Uh, advertising in local newspapers they may utilize a a career search search engine such as indeed or monster.com but that's really really the extent um, to which they are going about uh, trying to find people so we are trying to work with manufacturers um, to help them think almost like a direct marketer which is you know a very different way of thinking Um, we're helping them look at uh, multiple opportunities um, with with social media as it relates to uh, promoting career opportunities Um, we're also looking at investing um, in what is called a microsite so we have our traditional economic development website here but we're looking at taking it uh, taking it a step further in creating a, a microsite that actually is promoting many of the place-based attributes of our community, but also is incorporating a career and job search engine. So our website, we wanna have everything really compiled and consolidated into, into to one site where they not only can research the attributes of our community, Um, they can search careers at the same time, and they can really, um, really um, get to know the manufacturers who are, who are operating here. So we find we are planning on really spotlighting those, um, those manufacturers and, and, and the unique qualities of those manufacturers. And so, so again, a lot of it really boils down to marketing, and we haven't done the best job of marketing. I don't, think in the, in the last 10 years. And we're just really going to have to take it to the next level.
1: That's great. Well, over the last 11 years that you have been an economic development professional, have you seen any major shifts in the traditional economic development model that most communities utilize?
0: Yes, yes. I mean, I, again, I, I, I still I still go back to, to this topic of, of workforce development. You um, You know, if you look at if you look at economic development now versus ten years ago, and again, I'm just eleven years into this business, but you know, I've learned quite a bit in eleven years, and I've seen quite a bit of changes um, in the in the last eleven years. But um, we are really seeing um, an evolving algorithm in terms of of what site location consultants are are looking for and what companies are actually looking for. And that evolving algorithm is really, uh, again, kind of shifting our organizational model. And so companies now are digging deeper at the local level more than ever before. So uh, companies and, and the consultants that they're retaining, they're really utilizing very sophisticated analytics behind the scenes to evaluate Communities before before they even reach out to us, and so, um, you know, ten years ago, quality of life and labor, um, those were not the two most initial important decision drivers. I mean, they they were talking about quality of life and labor availability. You know, um, once they had whittled down the short list um, of of communities that they were evaluating, it was not those discussions were not taking place initially and now we're we're seeing that quality of life and labor um, labor availability workforce availability um, are are two of the most uh, primary components of that initial site location search Um, again workforce development um, we're just hearing more and more about um, communities needing to be able to actually quantify The um, available labor pool um, that they have in their community and it's that's sometimes very very difficult um, for communities to do speed to market right now is really paramount with most companies I mean they schedules are very compressed they they don't have time to wait on communities um, to complete due diligence on their sites Um, they they are requiring that that due diligence is complete, completed in advance of um, them, you know, locating to that particular community. I think ten years ago we could really get away with uh, having a site that had not gone through those important due diligence um, requirements. I think now it's it's imperative. At least that's what we're hearing that those those um, things are taking taking care of well in advance of a company. Um, locating there and so we're hearing that pre-graded sites are are crucial now because those corporate timelines are so compressed Um, so you know it it puts a lot of pressure on a community especially a rural community um, smaller community um, that maybe doesn't have you know the financial ability to um, invest in those types of efforts and so communities are really now having to to really collaborate and get very creative um, in terms of of how they finance that site work in advance of companies locating there so we're really fortunate that that um, again being still being a very rural community and having some financial constraints here our our partners um, really understand that that's an important component to economic development now and so they have been really focused on investing uh, in that infrastructure and that due diligence and, and some of that site work in advance of uh, companies locating here. And then, you know, that ends up being a, just a great marketing tool for for communities when they can uh, take care of all that work. Um, it's, it's, you know, site location consultants, they are um, retained by companies uh, to be expert risk mitigators and so um, they are looking at anything and everything within a community that would potentially be risky um, and they are also looking at communities that um, have have taken those necessary steps to to mitigate risk and to um, you know hopefully uh, you know streamline um, timelines for those companies that that they are working with
1: that's very interesting and also i mean economic development just moves so quickly all the changes that i'm sure over those last 11 years i mean it all sounds like you've noticed so much and so much has changed and it's crazy even looking just within a, a year or two seeing how much changes as well absolutely you're you're very correct in that well, Kristen, can you go ahead and tell us um, about a project that you've worked on in your community?
0: Sure. I'll be happy to. We've worked on so many projects, but one of the most notable projects that I'd like to to touch on um, was one of the first major projects that I actually um, worked on when I uh, uh, started um, back in 2008, 2009 time period. And uh, you know certainly didn't have as much institutional knowledge under my belt when I was working on this project um, but it really um, I would say through my experience and working on this project it, it really um, it, some of the things that I learned um, really resonate with me now in terms of the way that we managed the project, even though I didn't have as much knowledge at that time and wasn't as experienced. Um, but but the project that uh, we worked on at that at that time back in 2009 um, was called Project Shark, um, and Project Shark is. Water Paper Corporation, which is um, now a thriving and growing um, industry um, in in Cleveland County. But Project Shark, they're a pulp pulp and paper product manufacturer and um, they uh, were looking all across the United States at hundreds and hundreds of different sites um, to to move their company. And um, so we were really fortunate that um, we were able to um, be a part of this exciting project. And this is a project that actually the lead was generated by the um, North Carolina Department of Commerce at the time. We had a, a publicly owned site, um, a, a county owned site that we were able to put forth for this particular project. And, and things transpired very quickly after that. Um, one thing I will say, that site was not... Um, Ideal um, in in terms of um, being shovel ready. We had not had the time to put that site through the necessary due diligence requirements, um, and you know that we would we would typically put a site through before a company came to visit. We're again we're very proactive now in terms of ensuring our sites are, are shovel ready before a company even sets foot in our community. But that particular site was was um, was not ideal in that. We had not completed any of those uh, due diligence um, items, and so we—I feel pretty lucky that, uh, and fortunate that they decided to still come in and and, and look at our site. Um, the project, um, in terms of what um, the company was projected, which was very substantial. You know we decided um, we really wanted to show them that we were very serious that that we wanted them here their project um, was projecting that they would hire 250 people with this project that they would invest um, between 280 million dollars um, and three 300 million dollars approximately in new capital investment you know that was very substantial to us at the time and and it still is substantial to us. They um, had very aggressive requirements as it related to their construction timeframe. So, we knew that we were going to have to be very streamlined in terms of getting the infrastructure put in to, to, to serve that particular project. And so, one of their requirements is that the site needed to be rail served. That, that site did have the opportunity to be uh, the had the opportunity to be rail served we did not have um, rail on site at the time so um, substantial rail improvements were going to have to be made we did not have an access road into the site so truly it was a greenfield um, greenfield site with um, you know no major infrastructure or um, improvements um, made uh, at the time when they made their first visit so one of the things that we really did, really all boiled down to, to customer service. So we had some um, due diligence um, items that needed to be completed. So we decided, hey, we'll tackle those um, right now, even though we know that you have not selected our community yet um, to move your operations. We want to show you that we're serious about your project, and we are going to to actually, um, you know, complete that due diligence right now we will make those investments and we will complete the phase one we will comp- uh, phase one environmental studies we'll complete the geotechnical analysis anything that that you feel is important to your company um, we you know we want to tackle um, we want to tackle those due diligence items we uh, proceeded with um, the archaeology archaeological and endangered species and wetland studies the wetlands delineation um, we we mapped out the zoning and permitting process and timeline for them we did an intensive utility service analysis we put together site development costs for them as it related to grading um, to all the cut and fill work on that site um, so for for really approximately actually it I was going to say that it was one year but I think our discussions actually extended beyond a, a year's I think it was closer to thirteen to fourteen months but really for for over a year we made that project our number one uh, priority we made it our focus um, we um, guaranteed that company um, quick turnaround on any question that they had um, we really assembled um, An excellent team a local team that um, was there to answer any questions um, that they had during that process and again I think that that really um, that really is what resonated with the company I mean that meant so much to them that that we were willing to put them first and um, you know a couple of the other things that we felt um, really um help to persuade them um uh you know to to eventually choose our community was that um you know we maintained um confidentiality um you know throughout uh all discussions throughout that that year um when we were working with the the representatives from the company you know when you when you're working with a publicly traded company it is imperative that you maintain and uphold that confidentiality it it is so important to do that and so we took that very seriously we also um, put together a very very aggressive financial incentives package for the company Um, the state of North Carolina was very aggressive they compiled um, a variety of of grants and um, at that point in time there were some tax credits in North Carolina that were very um, attractive and lucrative that we can include include in our financial incentives proposal. Um, There was uh, a sales tax exemption on machinery and equipment purchases, which um, uh, very much inflated the overall value of our incentives proposal. There were some great um, infrastructure grants that we could tap into that are still available um, in North Carolina that were very important to us as we um, looked at the um, potential rail and um, roadway um, cost um, that we're going to have to be um, made um, in order to um, Im- improvements i should say that we're going to have to be made to to um accommodate the the company and then locally um, locally we really got um very aggressive in terms of our overall incentive proposal and so we structured um some financial incentive grants that proved to be very lucrative for the company. We actually ended up gifting that land. Um, Our our local county government actually waived um, or waived some of the building permit and uh, zoning and planning fees that um, the company would have incurred. Um, And and one of the the neatest uh, financial incentive tools that we were able to include when we were um, negotiating with the company was um, with gardner webb university gardner webb university is a local university um, in our community they developed um, some tuition credits that we were able to include in our financial incentive grant proposal so with project sharks uh, new employee projections um, with this particular project we were able to include right around two hundred thousand dollars in terms of tuition credits um, that they could expect um, uh, to, to, to qualify for should they choose our community. So really a large variety of, of incentives within um, the overall proposal that we put together. So we were pretty proud of that, that we were able to really partner, not only at the state level, but partner at the local level um, creatively and aggressively to put together um, you know, this, this proposal. In June uh, 2010, that's when Project Shark actually publicly announced their decision to to locate to our community. And so, um, but w- what's really neat, um, you know, um, they they um, not only not only the fact that they chose to to locate their operations here. Um, just recently, earlier this year, this this same company actually um, publicly announced a major expansion project here in our community. Which, um, you know, when a when a company, uh, you know, it's always a compliment when a company chooses to locate to your community. But when they choose to expand in your community, it is really the Highest compliment that a community can re- can receive because I think it really um, signifies, you know, the the spirit of the business community and the fact that they are pleased with um, their current operations and pleased with the with the with the workforce and um, and and you know just over, in general pleased with with the people that are supporting their their operations and so um, we were just. Tickled that that um, you know they didn't just choose us once they 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 chose us twice and um, they are doing really really well um, here in our community. If you look at the overall economic impact that the project has had on our our community, you know we we certainly we we evaluate the direct and indirect jobs. So you know significant number of of, of new jobs, but we have increased county tax revenue, you know. We have tax-based stabilization. You know, we've had local businesses who have benefited from that company locating here. We really have seen a a tremendous benefit.
1: Well, Kristen, what advice would you have for a young economic developer who is relatively early in his or her career?
0: My first word of advice would be just to hang in there. Um, I distinctly remember... Um, that I felt like I was drinking water from a fire hose for the first three years of my career. Oh, no. um, <laughs> it can be the, I, I feel like it can be very stressful and intimidating in the beginning. And, and of course that's not just confined to, to economic development. Um, You know, that, that's going to be the challenge in any new career. But, but, you know, in my office, my colleagues and I quite frequently, um, Quite frequently, joke that economic development professionals are really just masterful generalists. Um, You know, but we we joke about it, we laugh about it, but really, there's quite a bit of truth in that statement. Um, We have to be knowledgeable about so many topics, whether it's about product development, local and state tax structures, engineering and infrastructure, you know, deal structuring, packaging, financial incentives, negotiating financial incentives, workforce development, marketing. Uh, sales. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. But um, I just think that the learning curve can be extremely steep for a young economic development professional, especially as you are trying to learn as much as you can about everything, but also trying to simultaneously build your network of contacts and resources. It's just a lot to manage. And so um, one thing, you know, I would say, don't don't ever think for a minute that you're going to know it all in this business because it's just not going to happen you know change is inevitable in this business change happens on a daily basis Um, it happens rapidly Um, and because our business is innately linked to so many facets of federal and state government it can literally um, things can change overnight Um, things can change with an election and so um, you know we are really kind of in, in a Continuous pattern of 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 learning and and professional development in this career, um, but even though that sounds um, a little scary, it's also why I feel that uh, this profession is so interesting and fun because you never know what to expect. But I think if you can hang in there, um, you know, after two to three years, um, you're really going to feel a lot more. Um, Uh, confident in terms of the 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 industry itself but also I would suggest um, for young developers to engage a mentor or or several mentors actually you can't have enough but there are some incredibly successful economic developers out there who are more than willing to share best practices and advice with young developers um, you know, I would say don't be afraid to reach out to them and ask questions. I mean, just be a sponge. You know, ask questions, listen, be a sponge. It makes zero sense um, in my opinion in my, in my opinion to, to try to reinvent the will in your community if you can learn and model your strategies after someone or or you know after a community or a location who has a proven successful methodology so um really engage those folks most economic developers are more than willing to 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 share um information to discuss those best practices we're not keeping everything secret um we're we're, we're really not and so um you know a, a, another suggestion um is for you know, a young developer to to not ever forget that economic development is a team sport. Your best approach is is really to assemble a phenomenal team and and approach each project as a team. and so if you can just strategically build that professional and unified local team, particularly when you have communities visiting um, coming into your community for a visit, um, I really believe you're going to have more success and then lastly I would just suggest to a young developer that you know I I just I just said you know don't reinvent the wheel you know try to learn from other developers but but um, you know I'd, I'd also say kind of go against that advice and also in certain circumstances I think you need to think big and be creative and so don't be a
1: don't be afraid to dream. Well, my last question is what is your favorite hobby?
0: So, aside from the boring answer which would be to just veg out and read a book, um uh m- my family and I really like to um we love the water and so we have a um a little vacation home that's that's located about 45 minutes um west of of my community close to the close to Asheville and so on the weekends and when the weather's warm and the the water's warm, we try to get out and boat and we I don't know if you've ever heard of wake surfing, but it's um it's not quite as dangerous as wakeboarding and uh skiing because you're you're kind of being pulled behind the boat at a slower rate of speed. So um I just learned to do that last summer and so that's one of the, the things that I enjoy doing with my um my family. My husband and my daughter are much better at it and much more athletically inclined than I am, but I, I sure enjoy giving it a shot on the weekends that are pretty. So uh, it's, it's, it's pretty fun.
1: How fun. Oh my goodness. That's yeah. Well, Kristen, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing so much knowledge, so much economic development wisdom with us. So thank you again for taking that time to share with us.
0: You are so welcome. It, It was truly my pleasure. Economic Development Secrets is brought to you by Impact Dashboard, the only impact software built for economic developers. For more information on this podcast or to listen to past episodes, check out www.impactdatasource.com.